mudita, empathetic or appreciative joy. Joy, but joy that isn't just our own joy. It's joy when others are feeling joy, expanded from our own joy. Mudita has the least written about it. It's the least expressed of all of the four Brahma-viharas. Some even say it's the hardest one to practice, saying that actually karuna is way more, we can evoke karuna so easily. Somebody falls over, somebody's upset. It's so spontaneous to care about each other, take care of each other, when somebody's fallen, to give them a hand. But when somebody's flying high, we don't really need to give them a hand, so we tend not to bother. We tend to, if everything's going okay, then we sort of don't need to go any further with it. If we do, what happens is when we get happy, even if it's someone else's happiness, Because of the way our minds are made, and we tend to um, put significance on the contents of our lives, the things that happen, the words that are spoken, or the situations. When something happens that brings forth joy, we don't use Vedana, that brilliant foundation of mindfulness, to notice how pleasant it is. Instead, we so easily go into craving it we get off on it. And so mudita, without it being really mudita, but the near enemy of mudita, the sort of lesser version or the ego person view of mudita is, becomes exuberance. Meaning we we start feasting on what makes the happiness and we forget our heart opening to the person. We pay attention to situations rather than how we're feeling. Increasingly as we do this practice, we more and more can include in our experience what's happening and how that is to be here with it, the relational aspect, the heart. Not just how our own heart is, but when someone else is is happy, some success, some lovely thing is going on, they're feeling great, we more easily slide towards what it is that they're happy about than that they themselves are having a good day. And another thing that's a limited aspect of mudita, what we may understand about mudita is that we think when somebody's won the lottery, then we can be happy. If If we're good enough and we're not jealous of their winnings, we can then turn on the tap of mudita and be happy for them. But actually, as with metta, with all of them, they're not so dramatic. doesn't need to be. We can, in dramatic, intense circumstances, be friendly, be empathetic, be compassionate, and so on. But I find access to these states much more available in more subtle times not just the big dramas. 
So we don't have to wait till the neighbor wins the lottery to have mudita. We can simply be happy when other people are having a reasonably nice day. When people are content. It's about empathy. Not about whatever the causes of the joy so much. About the ability to be sensitive to each other. To be open to each other. To reflect each other's states. We have evolved to be able to do this. We are herd animals. We're sensitive to each other. When somebody's laughing and we're at ease and everything's okay, it's infectious. You know, when you hear children laughing, it's such a beautiful sound. So this is a practice about opening up the sensitivity that we already have for each other and being able to feel, feel good when others are feeling good. I think probably the most uh, typical time we do this is when we do things together that are joyful, like, for instance, sing in choirs or make music together, dance together. The joy being shared, happy for each other being happy, sort of the most common way we go to, we both go to ball games and we watch great sports and we like, yay, we're so happy when that person wins, you know, when Usain Bolt breaks the record again and yay, we're happy with that, that shared happiness. And what makes mudita divine or boundless or pure rather than just the ego state of you know being happy when something nice happens a nice day not to knock that is that there isn't the selfing there isn't the 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 hunger for anything there is not even self-consciousness with real mudita there's no self-consciousness with all the divine abidings it's not about me it's about being participants in this amazing unfolding life So today, we're going to reflect on the kinds of ways that bring this, this uh, sensitive, common, responsive capacity of this heart to be delighted when others are happy. So I, I'm sure there's many of us I, I can't imagine there's anyone here who hasn't at some time or another sung in a choir or danced in the company of others, played music together, beautiful, happy making music. So I'd like you first of all to just let your minds remember the sharing like this. Dancing solo is pleasant enough. Singing in the shower is pleasant enough. But when we're together singing with others and the smile comes through everybody, tune into your experience of shared delight in this way. Your own memory 
One of mine is dancing at, at um, the folk dances that happen, free folk, called Folk Life in Seattle in May, a long weekend, in a big room full of 600 and 650 people all contra-dancing the same step at the same moment and all, yahoo! Ah, so much fun. Everyone's happy. The lift from shared playfulness Some of you lucky ones are musicians and you know this shared lift when something moves us beyond our individuality. We move into this shared world. Feel what's happening in your, in your whole system as you reflect in these ways. It may be big Thanksgiving dinners some of you, that's the last thing that brings you joy. But some of you, <laughs> maybe you can actually have had happy ones. <laughs> or um, I remember the first peace marches. I remember in Vancouver, there's a bridge, the road where the big peace march would happen. It would get up and over the bridge, over the inlet. And so many people and sort of being up high like that, elevated, so much joy. And I'll tell you one little story. As you just keep reflecting of your own, I want you to let yourself feel the impact of this. I was on retreat, Gaia House, by those fields where the cobwebs were and all that part of the country. And I uh, was just walking in the daytime, looking over the fields and over the valley into some fields a little more distant. Fields and hedgerows and fields and hedgerows, the patchwork of the countryside in England. In one field were a group of cows, a whole herd of cows, many, 30, 40. And in a neighboring field were six other cows. And as I just stood and watched with my quiet mind, the half a dozen cows in the smaller field found an opening in the hedge and went through it and rapidly ran towards the rest of the herd. And the rest of the herd ran to greet them and they actually kissed each other as they arrived. It was like these poor half a dozen had been stuck in this field and they didn't know how to get back to the rest of them. And they were so happy to be together. And I was so happy that they were so happy. It was so sweet. And these are just cows. I mean, stupid cows who could have gone through this gap in the fence, you know, last night. But there they were. How does that feel? Doesn't that feel great? Just cows. <laughs> Happy that there is happiness in the world. Receiving joy. 
connecting. I felt so connected to them. Or what about um, that beautiful story that some of you will have heard because it was from the San Francisco Chronicle a long time ago, 10, 12 years ago. There'd been a humpback whale, some kind of a whale, just out of the gate of the, the uh, Golden Gate and it was all tangled up with lots of ropes and fishing lines and everything. And um, somebody in a fishing boat saw it and it was in desperate straits. It was beginning to really struggle and flounder and, and so somebody called in. And anyway, these divers went out there, half a dozen divers, took them a couple of hours. Dangerous, you know, like right up beside a huge thrashing, scared, drowning whale. And they cut the lines and... Um, and the one particular diver who, he had to get the one out of the whale's mouth. He's right up by the face and with this eye right there. And he cuts with his knife and he, they get the, the whale freed. And this eye is just looking like right at him there as he's doing this very delicate thing. And then when the whale is freed, the whale just goes swimming in these huge circles, so ecstatic and then comes to each diver in turn right up to their bodies and nudges them in their bodies one by one before he swims away. And the person who reported this was one of the divers who said, I will never be the same again. Not just the gift of freedom and the relief from the danger, but the joy of the freed whale was just... It expands us. This is divine. Is it not divine? The divine abiding of an expanded state of joy. That's pretty big. Whales and ropes and swimming is pretty dramatic. But what about just little things? You yourself, when you're, you come home, your puppy is going to be licking your face. Happy to see you. The way they wriggle and wriggle their tails when they're happy. So endearing. It's so expanding for our hearts to enjoy others' joy. I'll tell you a third, third story. Being here reminds me of this. Before Spirit Rock was um, operational, there were retreats held regularly at the Angeles Center in San Rafael in the um, Dominican College there. And I attended those retreats many times. And in that building, some of you know well, there is a room called the Pillow Room. And it's just a, it's a living room, just a comfortable room with comfy chairs and pillows and a fireplace. And the retreats I used to attend were November retreats, so it was wet and darkish and cool. And on this retreat one year was a woman, and she was dying, and she was in a wheelchair, and you could tell her life hadn't long left. And she was weak, and very grateful to be able to sit her last retreat. And it was in the evening time, and she was in the wheelchair near the fire. And the fire was not in great shape, but it was smoldering along and somebody went to help with the fire but they didn't live with fire and they didn't do a very good job and it was now even more smoldering and I live with fires and all winter long I heat my house with fire so 
it's easy for me to make the fires work. So I adjusted just the logs, a couple of little adjustments, and they burst into flame. And this woman looked at me with a look I will never forget. She was so delighted. She wanted the fire. She was cold and tired and didn't have a long and, you know, was there for many days. It was a 16-day retreat. And she, she got this fire in the evening and she was so delighted. It was such a simple thing to do. And the joy was beyond measure for this simple act. It was, stays with me, you know, for a long time. To give joy, that's wonderful. But even if you're not there giving it and somebody's just experiencing some well-being. Salamanders sunning themselves in the spring sunlight. Or even just the relief, watching the deer. You know, they're alert. They stick their heads up and look around, making sure there's no trouble. And then they are reassured and there's no trouble and they relax and continue eating. And we can relax with them. Responsive. Happy for their relaxation. I have a baby granddaughter. When she's happy, we're happy. <laughs> she even can Skype. I mean, she can't make it work, but she can look at the, at the screen and see me waving my silly grin and she giggles. She's a little baby. She can't hardly crawl, but she knows that it's me on the end of the screen and she's happy. And then everyone's happy. So simple to be happy with others' happiness. What prevents us from being able to enjoy others' happiness is that poverty consciousness that if they're happy, then when's it going to be my turn? Or I want some of their, whatever it is, winnings, popularity, prowess. When we feel inadequate, it's our feelings that are in the way from our being able to share happiness at those times you know when you sing with others or dance with others or laugh with others go to a comedy and laugh with other people there's even laughter meditations as we've, I've heard anyway I've never done any but the healing of it because we relax that desperate little me we are expanded I've sat in this hall as you are sitting on a long silent retreat and had somebody start laughing trying to not laugh trying to not disturb anyone and soon enough the whole hall <laughs> <laughs> 
feels like you can't keep, especially when you try to not disturb other people, it's, it's harder. And then it's just the pleasure of being happy for nothing. I mean, there's nothing, there's no object. It's just simply shared empathy. Such a beautiful thing we can do. Your happiness is my happiness. May this be true, that your happiness is my happiness. May this continue growing. May my capacity to be empathetic and happy for you grow endlessly. that 70s bumper sticker, commit random acts of kindness and senseless acts of beauty, and then run away and watch the happiness that happens. This isn't frivolous or indulgent. This is expansive when we are empathetic, open to another's well-being, responding to it, it's wholesome. Having a little sense of humor about your own neurosis is wholesome. In fact, life is the eight vicissitudes, not four. We want just the four joyful vicissitudes and we don't want the others. But we often continue as though there are just the four difficult ones and forget the four beautiful ones, which are in our lives in equal measure, in everybody's lives. It's a matter of choosing to look for the good and rejoice. Rejoice. When we can choose if we're whining or complaining or grumbling or frustrated, let's just count our blessings and rejoice. We have so much to be grateful for. And being with you as we are, as your teachers, watching your practice, traveling your journey with you a little bit in these retreats, one of the main experiences we experience is mudita for your smiling faces and your lightning loads and your softening hearts
your growing ease. It's, it's impossible to not be happy for your happiness. This is really why we teach, why we share the Dharma. It's a big mudita fest going on here. This isn't to gloss over that times can be tough and we have our struggles, all of us, but to keep it in proportion and in perspective. You would become too gloomy if we were simply compassionate all day long. We would wither. We need some empathetic joy. We need the wavy gravy people who go to the children at Christmas time in the hospitals and make them laugh. We need the poets and the storytellers so there may be joy in all of our hearts as part of our experience. And when we notice each other, and we notice the good in each other and the, the good intentions of each other, we're happy when, I, when, we're, when we see happiness. It's impossible to be empathetic and joyful for another if we don't see them as good obliterates the possibility. So when we can just even have some respect for another one, we'll then notice where there's joy. They go together. Mudita doesn't stand alone. It's with the ability to open from our own small self-concern whenever we can and connect and wish well. and empathize both when it's difficult and when it's easy, when it's fun and when it's plodding. May we all grow way beyond the small place of self-concern and enjoy the sharing that we're capable of
This was fun for me. It's the last Brahmavihara that we'll be leading officially, so I thoroughly enjoyed myself. (laughs) Thank you for being there so I could do it.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.